Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 89. I uh, wanted to thank everybody for your uh, patience over the last several weeks when we've mostly been posting uh, mini-sodes, which is, uh, you know, it's that's fine, but uh, they're, not, they're not full episodes. Full episodes are anywhere between an hour and 15 to two hours, and uh, the last mini-sode was only a mere 22 minutes. And we can't be respecting your time like that. Like we've got a, you know, we've got things to say. So um, we appreciate your your patience. Um, I will, uh, I will actually uh, do some announcements real quick before we uh, welcome in uh, our co-host and guest, um, two separate people. Um, okay, first off, uh, if you listen to my other podcast, Battleship Pretension, which uh, many of you do. Um, you have heard that we have a, uh, a sponsor over there called This Is Stuttering, and it is a, uh, a short film uh, directed by a guy named uh, Morgan Lott, and the film is finished, uh, but they, are, uh, they have a Kickstarter to raise money for uh, distribution costs and uh, film festival uh, f- uh, fees and such. And uh, as it happens, I watched the film, and I've been in contact with, with Morgan, um, and to let you a little bit behind the curtain, I'm going to be having lunch with them right after I'm done recording this. And so, um, I really thought the uh, the film was uh, wonderful, and I really hope that they uh, get the money for their Kickstarter. But time is running short, I believe, as of now. There are about two days left, uh, as as this will be going up the same day that we record it. And so, um, if you are so inclined, it's a documentary about his own struggles with stuttering and so it's a uh, very uh, effective and uh, and uh, emotional at times so if you are so inclined uh, head on over to kickstarter type in this is stuttering or you can go to battleshippretension.com click on the banner ad there and uh, and just give what you can um, because it's a project that i i believe in so much that i'm basically acting as though he has sponsored this show as well which he has not uh, this is just a personal endorsement um okay and then also hey everybody October. You know what that means. It's podcast awards season, so it's time once again for us to be nominated and not win. Uh, which, here's the thing. I It's happened four years in a row. I want a fifth. I want a fifth year. Uh, we're not going to win. We're never going to win. Don't get me wrong. But... I like having I like the idea of having five nominations. So go to podcastawards.com and uh, and put us in the uh, religion and uh, f- I think religion and inspiration category because uh, we're very inspirational obviously. And uh, and you only have to uh, enter it uh, once and then uh, if and when we get uh, uh, nominated then you can go in and vote for us every day. Not that it matters, we will not win. We will be beaten by some atheist podcast in the religion category of all things. Um, 
But I don't want to start off with cynicism, though I just did. Let's go back to this is stuttering. That That's optimistic. Uh, go and give them some money. All right. Now, speaking of podcast awards, you know who I... I wish they had a podcast award for best co-host slash sidekick slash comic foil. Because you know who I'd nominate? Josh Long. Josh. Oh, it would be me? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about someone else. Oh, I... Fair enough. You know yeah, what? It, I'm 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 thinking. I'm rethinking. It I would now. I would withdraw that comment if I were you. No question about it. Um, so, hey, Josh, everyone, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm, 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 I, you've never asked me how I'm doing. I'm oh, doing really? okay. No. Well, good. All right. <laughs> so, Josh and I haven't seen each other in a while. His uh, you had family in town, and so I haven't seen you for several days. Oh man! And uh, it's, it's been a dry it's, spell. It's off-putting. See, the key is, as I've said before, the key is to just not have a good relationship with your family, and then you can re- you can avoid this kind of thing. But you, you have a, you know, you guys are picture perfect, of course. And there's not there's not a trace. Like everyone should be, <laughs> as a good Christian should be. <laughs> they should have a perfect family. And if your fam- if your parents have gotten divorced or something like that, uh, it's kind of your it's too fault. late for you. <laughs> yeah, you should you should work your hardest to get them back together because it's on you. I am joking. Uh, that is a horrible thing that I just said. I apologize. <laughs> as we uh, dip back deep into cynicism. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, it's a little early in the morning for me, everybody. Uh, I apologize. Okay. But here's the thing. Uh, I mentioned it is October. And I mentioned that we just did a number of minisodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we owe the listener a number of full-length episodes. So the month of October, we're going to put the minisodes on hold. Unless, of course, we, we can't get around to seeing a certain movie, at which point we'll just do the minisodes again. But, um, but we're going to do four full episodes in October, each of them is going to be vaguely horror movie-themed or Halloween-themed. The first of which, it's October already, the first of which is today's episode. And I'm very excited. We have a guest uh, whose career is steeped in, in horror. Hang on. The career itself is not horrific. There's just a lot of horror <laughs> films in it. Yeah, I, just, I could have structured that better. But, um, but yeah, we have... We have actor Bill Oberst Jr. Bill, thank you for being so patient during the intro, and welcome to More Than One Lesson. Why do you think you're not going to win Best Podcast? Because we never do. But is it not possible that you could? You've, you've really piqued me. I mean, I don't, okay. I don't like to hear you being so negative. What has to happen in order for you to win? We have to get, I'm going to say, 70% more listeners. Um, it's just, that's the thing is, the nomination, I'm, very, I'm always very happy to be nominated because that involves somebody at the podcast awards listening uh, a couple of people listening to the show and saying hey this is good enough to be nominated okay, so i'm a newbie what's this site what is it again it's podcastawards.com podcast awards yes mm-hmm. two words just no space podcastawards.com and then yes. once i'm there what do i do because i want to put this on my social media well it's a <laughs> well see now we're talking now what do now. i do uh, what you do is um, you, when you sh- when you go there, you'll notice there's a lot of different categories that you can enter in one podcast and yes. submit that in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the religion inspiration category, you just type mm-hmm. in more than one lesson dot com. And then at the bottom, it'll ask for your name and your email. In the past, they used to um, send you a, a verification thing for your email, but uh, they haven't really been doing that lately. So to my knowledge, you will not be they won't f- they're not going to. You know, clog up your inbox or anything. Mm-hmm. So, can I just cut uh, cut and paste your URL? Yeah, sure. More than one lesson.com. Just paste that in. Yeah. I put in my name and an email address, and I'm out. 
and you're out. So like less than 30 seconds. Yeah. Podcastawards.com. Yeah. Now that's to submit. If we do get nominated. Then you got to vote. Then you got to vote. And I believe you can vote every day. Okay, that's for like great. A month? So for I, I believe a month. Okay, um, it might be three weeks. I don't totally recall, but uh, but yeah. And uh, so basically, what it is, it's about when it's when it comes time to try to win. It's about mobilizing your listeners, and then it's yes. about who has the most listeners. Well, I'm an and, underdog, and I'm really drawn to underdog <laughs> causes. And since you set yourself up as one, I want to help make this happen. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, um, and I will say that just in general. Like I said, there there are often every year a number of uh, atheist podcasts nominated, What's, and they tend to have more listeners. Than what is Christian an atheist podcast? podcast? I mean, it's a lack of a belief. How would you have a podcast about not believing something? Well, Bill, I'll tell you. What do you say? I don't believe. Then what? <laughs> They're each about a minute long. Okay. It reminds me of a, of a uh, Dave Attell bit where he talks about why is the Klan still having meetings where they go, all right, we, uh, so we hate, uh, it's like, we, we hate everyone, right? Okay. okay that's see, really see you funny. next week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've. That's funny. I was actually a guest on one of the, uh, I believe mm. the very first year or second year that I was nominated there's a podcast called Irreligiosophy that was also nominated. Mm-hmm. They're still around, right? They're still around. They, t- they went on like a year and a half break while I think they switched out co-hosts. But, mm-hmm. um, which, man, I'm envious of them for that. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I have the deepest affection for Josh. I really should explain that hey. uh, this, is all just a, this is all just an act. There's quotes around act. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, and so um, Irreligiosophy, they, uh, I don't remember how I found this out. Somebody might have emailed me. Anyway, they uh, after the podcast award nomination, podcast award nominations were uh, announced. Irreligiosophy spent all their time uh, spent spent like an episode and a half bashing their competition in the category. So I stupidly went in and listened to what they, what they had to say about me. What did they have to say about you? Not good things, to be honest with you. Um, they. Uh, you know, they basically, and at the time, I only had a few episodes, but I did an episode early on about religious, saying that I think it's a very bad documentary, uh, regardless of what a person believes. And uh, so, of course, but they assumed that, oh, the, re- the only reason he would say that is because he is one of the people being bashed by the film. And so... Um, Does a film that bashes you? Not me, but uh, bel- Just, any believers. It's, a, yeah. it's, it, it's not directed by Bill Maher, but he's the kind of the driving force behind it, and he tends mm-hmm. not to be very respectful of people that have any kind of spiritual belief but um but yeah and so uh that wasn't fun i didn't enjoy that and then the next year we were both nominated again and then they sent me an email and invited me to be on the show and my first response i my first response i can't technically say on this show because we have a no swearing policy <laughs> but eventually after a long phone call i decided to go on their show and it was a very nice and civil discussion and i got some listeners from that which was nice not everybody listens to this as a christian much to my surprise and um and yeah but going and listening to some of their other episodes because i wanted to kind of be prepared for what might happen uh as far as I can tell, atheist shows they they will often talk about like what's in the news, you know, um, like if there's a specific politician or something like that that is really emphasizing uh, faith, they will talk about that politician, or they will talk about that person's specific brand of faith. Like for example, you know, when Mitt Romney was nominated, uh, got the Republican uh, nomination, nomination is that right? Okay, sorry, I was like. Am I only saying that because of the podcast award nominations, or is there another one? No, nominee is correct. Um, so when he was the Republican nominee, of course, they, 
you know, a lot of atheist podcasts did a lot of explorations of uh, Mormonism. Do they talk about Jesus? Um, kind of. Some of the, it depends on the show, and there are a lot of them. I'm astounded that there needs to be more than I'm going to say two, but there are many of them, and um, and some of them are very well produced, and some of them are more. I'll be honest, they're a bit more um, friendly than others, but some of them really, as the internet tends to do, no matter what. Uh, they tend to they recognize that oh well we can get more listeners if we just straight up bash anybody that we view to be stupid or uh, unreasonable or whatever a preacher that I grew up with told me that if you know those they have the signs outside the churches you know the little country churches you, mm-hmm. know, you know what I'm talking about oh, little yeah. sign. if he put a sign up said he's preaching on heaven he'd fill half the church but if he said he was preaching on hell he'd pack it out with <laughs> standing room only so <laughs> oh, hate, yeah. hatred appeals to humans yeah and that's you know and it's it's easy. Uh, what was it in in the movie uh, Ratatouille, in which there's a, a critic character voiced by uh, Peter O'Toole? Um, he talks about um, critici- like negative criticism, and he says it's fun to read and, and, and to write. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I've got two podcasts, and there's there are a few things more fun than when you get to talk about a movie that is just awful especially if it has a really big budget because then there's really no excuse for it to mm-hmm. be you know, this bad um but at the same time like on this show especially where we have reviewed some movies that are genuinely not very good it's like but you i, I feel like we sh- we have a, a responsibility to try to find what good is in it if there is any and if there isn't then you know we can be honest about it but mm. uh to try and be different, uh, not merely because it's a Christian show, but just from an artistic standpoint. It's like uh, the rest of the internet is looking for <laughs> things to not like. We should look for things to like. It's one of the and, things I liked about Roger Ebert. Yeah, and most films we can find something that. Oh yeah, that we find engaging, even if it's one thing. If you find one thing that yeah. that you know makes that movie interesting or maybe maybe worth watching, then yeah. I feel like it's good to point that thing out, especially if people <laughs> might not see it because otherwise it looks pretty bad. Like even when, done some that. When we did Struck by Lightning, there was almost nothing to recommend except yeah. that there are a couple good performances. That's true. We did say they were good performances wasted in a bad film, but you got to take what you can get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so uh, so yeah, I think a lot of atheist shows will, um, you know, sometimes they'll just kind of bash Christians, and other times they do seem genuinely committed to kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, debunking. Um, you know, things that like the Bible says or, or, you know, whatever. Um, and sometimes, sometimes it's hard to listen to because it's a legitimate challenge and you, and you listen, you're like, oh, that's a good point. I got, I, you know, I should look that up. And there's almost always an answer out there to it that they haven't necessarily bothered looking for or that they wouldn't take seriously. But, um, but sometimes it, it, it doesn't hurt to listen to people that, in fact, I'd say do it regularly. Listen to people that actively reject something that's important to you. Mm-hmm. And so that you at least understand what the other side thinks. It keeps you, know? you from being too insulated. Very much so. But, <laughs> enough. okay, I'm glad we were able to spin the podcast awards into a good conversation. <laughs> um, thank you very much for that, Bill. But, uh, but yeah, so it's so, it's so interesting. Um, I don't remember exactly where I had heard of you or how I first heard that you were a Christian. But for some reason, I, I, I found out about it and I thought, oh, that's exciting, especially because of 
the career that you've had because as i mentioned you know october is is horror month here at more than one lesson and uh, and you've done a great deal of horror and we'll talk about that a little bit later but um but i found it fascinating and so I was really excited to get you on the show, and so thank you very much once again for being here. I'm glad to be here, and, and I'm sure that most of your listeners probably have no idea who I am, so if you if, if my name is up there along with the podcast, just Google my name, and you'll see my IMBD, Bill Oberst Jr., or um, oddly, you can Google creepy torso actor, and I kind of own the page of results. I don't know if that's good or bad, <laughs> but there I am. There's... Um, yeah, there's Christian Bale's torso from uh, The Machinist and mine, sometimes oh, right. intermingled. <laughs> but if you look at my IMBD, then you'll see the type of projects we do. If you look at the pictures, then you'll see that's the product that that I'm selling, and you'll get an idea of what, what Tyler's talking about, what the background is. And you know what, listeners, I'm, I'm looking at the torso right now, and it's I think it's marvelous. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and so, um, well, let's, if people don't know who you are, then let's, mm. uh, let's, let's get to know you. All the way from the beginning. Mm. So, um, so where uh, where were you uh, born and raised? I'm originally from South Carolina. Um, I did 14 years of theater on the East Coast, up and down New York, and uh, I was not scary in that lifetime. I've only been doing films for five years, so I only realized I was frightening five years ago okay. when I came out. I, I, I did. Um, I also had a traveling ministry for 12 years uh, as Jesus with the teachings of Jesus. Oh. I toured to churches and. Um, schools and all denominations i did musical theater i did comedy i did some historical pieces so that was my career was stage that's how i made my living and i loved it i never done film and uh, but I, I happened to see somebody sent me they said they're looking for somebody to play general sherman who was you know the guy that burned down most of the south and he's he a great demon in my youth i always heard about sermon war is hell isn't he the guy that said that oh, yeah. right before he oh, yeah. uh, burned everything to the ground he said war is cruelty and war the crueler cruelty. it is the yes. sooner it will be over yeah he said you might as well appeal to a thunderstorm as to appeal against the horrors of war war is cruelty <laughs> uh, so the history channel was making this documentary about him and um so I, I just on a whim sent in an audition, and they said, come up to Washington. So I went to Washington and auditioned, got the role. The film did well, and it got written up on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. And so I thought, if you're ever going to try film, you should do it now. So I came to L.A. with my little Wall Street Journal review and learned nobody cared. <laughs> but I happened to get an agent whose husband was a Civil War buff because he'd seen it. Uh-huh. And then I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll do historical pieces and um, use and, you know funny things like I did on stage. But I couldn't get arrested. Um, I remember going out the first year I was here for a Japanese energy drink, Rakoko Shoro or something like that. I was supposed to be the happy dad. And um, so the director wrote me back and he said, you're the very best actor. We want you for it, but the client is scared of your look. Could you send us more benign headshots? I sent the most benign that I had and he sent me back a two word email, which is my famous favorite email ever. He just said. Sorry, still scared. <laughs> and I didn't get the job. And then a really nice DP told me, he said, dude, go dark. The darker you go cinematically, the more you'll work because the camera sees what it sees and your face has all the hallmarks of don't trust this face. So go with it. So I've, I have gone with it. And the deeper I've gone with it, the more I've worked. That's, I mean, it's that's how I ended up I, being the scary guy. I don't trust a word you're saying right now. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm, I regret that I let you in my home. It's very true. There, there are many studies, and I've looked this up, of faces that have hallmarks that we are hardwired to trust and hardwired not to trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yours is in the middle, Josh. <laughs> it's right in the I middle. I wonder if the beard changes it, probably. You know, it might. 
Yeah, it might. But it's very interesting how people react uh, psychologically to faces on screen. Yeah. And so I sort of revel in the way that the camera sees my face now. It's. I mean, w- were you at all? Um, and we'll go. We'll delve back into your uh, into your history, like coming up in in theater in a moment. But um, were you at all? At least for a moment, like taken aback by by that. Like, Very much so. Okay. I love horror films. Always have. Yeah. But I never thought of myself as frightening. I was. I mean, growing up, I was always. You know, I amused. I did imitations of my teachers and principals. Mm-hmm. Um, I did stand-up comedy. I played Woody Allen or Ronnie Dangerfield in a stand-up comedy show. I play a southern comic named Louis Grizzard. Oh, yeah. Who famously said, I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, I ain't going to get married. I'm just going to find a woman I hate and give her a house. <laughs> One-liners like that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the predecessor to Jeff Foxworthy. So, yes, I was taken aback, and it took me a while to learn the tricks of appearing frightening on screen. Um, it's it's a lot about being still. Basically, my acting technique now is I whisper and stare. That's it. <laughs> if I ever raise my voice above a whisper, it's not scary. And if I ever blink, it's not scary. So I can't blink or speak much louder. Most of it's done in sort of, you add a little huskiness if you go down into this range and say, Tyler... Why'd you have to go and do that? Oh. That's the delivery. <laughs> Freaking Bill. That's the delivery. And if you add that to a little hair stroking, <laughs> give me an eye light, then you got something. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of photos of you as a clown. Lately. Yeah, I just did an evil clown movie in Texas yeah. uh, called Circus of the Dead. Yeah, Mission Very accomplished. Bad He's uh, <laughs> yes, a necrophiliac clown. A little something for everybody there. His, uh, he has a friend who's a pyromaniac clown. Oh, and, all right. uh, the way the director described it to me was, he said, Bill, they're serial killers and their day job happens to be as a clown. So, yeah, I just did six weeks of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. That sounds uh, very... What, what was your character's name? Papa Corn. And I only caught the humor of that because I'm really slow. I'm not very smart. And then it was only in the last week that I realized, oh, Papa Corn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he whispered and stared a lot. <laughs> well, is it like when you say six weeks, when you're on a project like that for so long and you're that creepy whisper and stare guy? It, yes. <laughs> Is that affecting to you? Like to your? Do you have to distance yourself from it a little bit before? It's very affecting because you're stuck in the hotel room by yourself with nowhere to go. Yeah. And on the days they don't use you, you're just there in the room. So, um, I mean, the whole acting life is kind of a life of isolation. And if you are a Christian, it really does force you to get alone with God and sort of go into the wilderness. There, you have to spend time with Him because you can only distract yourself. You know, so much. Yeah. You've got to be into your character and you have to stay focused. Um, so, yeah. It's interesting. Um, one of the first guests we had on the show um, was Doug Jones. Yeah, Doug's story great. story is similar to yours. Doug is awesome. Basically, and I think I said this on the show at the time, um, that his career is basically people saying, like, just cover him up. Just, uh, <laughs> we don't want to look at him. It's like, that's... And of course, he's a he's an incredibly dynamic actor, and I think he's amazing. Yeah. But like, I mean, if you if you keep getting roles where people like just put some makeup on him, after a while, not only do you just feel like, well, I feel like Hollywood's not that big of a fan of me if they want to constantly cover me up, but then also the types of characters he often played. Yes. Uh, the supernatural and of specifically and often often a very dark, uh, even even vaguely heroic characters like uh, the Fawn in Pan's Labyrinth. It's a little shady. And um, and just asking, like, does that ever get to you? And he seems to have a pretty, you know, pretty good attitude about it and seems to remain 
re- relentlessly positive. If you ever meet Doug Jones, you're going to get a hug. There's no question about it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and so I, I feel like that probably, and especially because you mentioned that you've only been acting in film for five years. That's right. Listener, don't if you haven't heard of, of Bill Oberst Jr., don't let that throw you. That doesn't mean he's only worked on maybe five or six projects. How many projects have you worked on in the last five years? 102. 102. So, <laughs> and how many of those would you say are kind of this horror-related thing? 90. 90. So... <laughs> So, I did a, a the, yeah it's just a few I did a Hallmark film, two Hallmark films where I played an Amish father for Michael Lennon Jr. Um, he 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 was you know, he was kind of a stern he beat a guitar he broke a guitar that's okay. as violent as I got in that okay uh, yeah I've done a, a, a couple of things not in the genre but most of them are in that dark sort of realm okay um, and uh, so yeah that's that's nine that's five years of just horror and and negative uh feelings and that sort of thing um and that's the thing is i'm i'm not necessarily bothered by horror i know a lot of christians are which is one of the reasons why i really wanted to have you on the show because it's been your life for five years and um and i don't necessarily when it comes to stuff like that like stuff that just kind of that people find disturbing i don't necessarily fault a person for that i mean you know everybody has a different thing of like oh this is really kind of disrupting my my emotions um you know josh himself has said that uh i mean there are there are some horror movies that you just can't see because it just kind of gets to you a little bit mm-hmm. um there are horror movies that get to me but i watch them anyway because i need to prove i'm not scared <laughs> uh and then i get scared um but uh and then a couple of years ago i went to halloween horror nights at universal studios sure. uh to prove i wasn't scared and admittedly, it wound up being kind of fun, but it was one of the most stressful evenings of my of my entire life. Um, <laughs> you should work it. People get so mad at you because they, they, you know, they make you squirt water on people and jump out and touch you, and people get really mad and threaten <laughs> to kill you. Yeah, you should work it. Then it wouldn't be scary. You know, I, what? I did have that thought. We yeah, know but, we uh, know a couple of people. Louis worked yeah. there. Yeah, um, it's long hours. Yeah. But if you work the Texas Chainsaw Maze, the first year I was in L.A. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really bad when a celebrity comes and they shut down the whole line so, you know, whoever, whoever can come through. And she's like, oh, it's wonderful. But the people behind her are really, really mad. And then they're aggressive at two yeah, in the morning. Yeah. When they finally get to you, they're mad. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh I found I found myself instinctively like kind of just like with my not necessarily my fist but my hand wasn't a fist just walking with my arm up like in a clearly defensive stance and just like it's like what would it take for me to actually punch this person how threatened mm-hmm. would I have to feel because I've got a guy wielding a chainsaw in my face mm-hmm. it's like I feel like my fight or flight instinct is not kicking in mm. but um, but yeah and so uh, so we'll talk about some of your some of your uh, horror projects in, in a moment, but I do want to uh, go back. You mentioned uh, that you did theater, and, and at, what, at what age did you start acting? Womb. Okay, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I was a fat kid. Um, I loved uh, Sunday school. I knew all the answers. <laughs> I loved school and made straight A's. I had bad acne. I couldn't throw football, so I was a fat kid, <laughs> smart kid, ugly kid, and sissy kid, all in one kid. Oh, wow. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so, you know, I mean, life is, you know, you know how kids can be. You throw some braces on there, and I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> but then I learned an interesting equation. If you entertain people, they will not hit you. <laughs> and that was my salvation. Because my grandmother told me, she said, God gave you a gift. And I said, I ain't got nothing, mama. And she said, no, God gives everybody a gift. You may only get one. 
but you got one. There's one thing you can do better than thousands of other people. Find that one thing and ask him to help you do it. And I learned I could change my voice and sound like other people. So I started doing imitations of my teachers and principals, and the kids didn't hit me. Instead, they would force me to perform like a little monkey, but that was better. <laughs> Maybe you can get. Yeah. No, I uh, I very much uh, understand uh, where you're coming from, uh, you know, being the uh, overweight kid and, and that kind of thing and just feeling like who not merely was I not good at sports. I just didn't care about yeah. sports at all. And to this day, I aggressively do not care about sports. Um, but uh, but yeah, and it's and it's kind of this weird thing that is maybe not entirely healthy, but it's just like, all right, well, be entertaining, be funny. Mm-hmm. And then also if you beat them to the punchline and yeah. your punchline's better than theirs ever would have been. That's right. Or make go. fun of yourself before yeah. they can. Exactly. And it, it doesn't help if your Sunday school teacher says things like, you need to be more like Billy Oberst. <laughs> oh, no. He knows the book of Luke. Of course, then they all just want to <laughs> beat the mess out of you. you know? She's like, Bill's not going to hell. What about you? <laughs> yes, that was the implication. Because yeah. every question, I just love the Bible stories. And every question, like, I know, I know. She goes, see, Billy knows. <laughs> took me a while to learn to stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. The self-preservation thing kicks in eventually. You're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Uh-huh. Um, I should play a little bit dumb. But um, So I was going to say, just so the, uh, the sort of... Where you found that kind of being popular, or at least more popular in entertaining people, that just kind of led naturally into being interested in theater? Yes, it did. It was a defense mechanism. Um, I I wanted to be a minister first, um, but that sort of never really panned out. But I learned that the more I entertained people, the more they would like me. And being at that age, it just, you know, fell into a groove. And so my whole career since has been a desperate attempt to encourage people not to hit me. That's pretty much all it is. I'm just saying, please, please don't hit me. <laughs> I'll, I'll do things for you. Don't hit me. <laughs> Even if you have to scare them away from you. Um, yes. And so it's really hard sometimes to keep a straight face, um, you know, being uh, horrific because I'm so not horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so were you, I mean, you, you know, you went to Sunday school and stuff, so I assume you were raised in a, in a Christian environment? I was, yeah. Uh, yeah, charismatic Christian environment, raised Assembly of God. Okay, yeah. Uh, so tongue speaking and, you know, all of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, grew up with a grandmother and a mother who would pray for parking spaces. <laughs> you know, thank you, Lord, for helping me get a spot right here at the Piggly Wiggly, because I got to run in and get this, and there would be the parking spot. So things that people would scoff at. No were very natural for me. It was that God was a part of our everyday life, and he was intimately involved in the details of our daily life. I grew up believing that. Yeah. I go back and forth uh, on that uh, just instinctively. Um, I remember, did you ever see uh, the miniseries of The Stand, Stephen King's The Stand? No. There's a, a character in it who is, uh, who is a Christian, and she's a very old woman. She's, she's played by uh, Ruby D. And uh, there's a, a scene where she's, uh, you know, she's very old, and she's like carrying like a big jug of something, and then like she finally like sets it on the counter, and she's like out of breath, and he goes, "Oh, thank you, Jesus, I didn't drop it on the floor." And uh, that miniseries came out in, like the mid, early to mid '90s, and I remember seeing that and just being fascinated at the idea of thanking God over something so. And I'll I'll 
put quotes around small, something so, you know, seemingly small. Um, but as time has gone on, I just thought like, well, if I do believe in an all powerful God, like why, why am I not thanking him for more things? That's the God yeah, that like, Jesus represented, Tyler. He, yeah. Jesus did not represent a God who was a, a clock winder mm. or an overseer. He represented a God that was intimately involved with sparrows that mm. fall from the sky and the numbers of hair on the head. That's, that's why I love Jesus. And that's why, although you know, I've strayed so far in my life, I keep coming back to Jesus. Because if what he said is true then life becomes a romance instead of this horrible thing we have to get through till we die. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of awesome that you were uh, raised in that environment. And it sounds like, at least with your, with your grandma, I assume your, your mom as well, um, that, uh, they were fairly, uh, supportive of, of the acting, like by saying like, you know, everybody's got a talent. Like, did they embrace the acting talent no. or no, they were really, they, they only meant that to get through elementary school. Oh, and I was okay. supposed to get a real like, job. Okay, now, now, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> My father still frequently will say, hey, you need to get a job, boy. I'm like, well, daddy, you know, I'm, I'm I got a job. I need a real job. They are, they are supportive now, okay. but um, I don't think you'll find any actor whose family really wanted them to. Okay. become an actor you know it's an insecure life mm-hmm. but if if you believe in a vocation because i believe that the arts are vocations like mm-hmm. um, josh if you feel called to be a, a filmmaker and you really believe god gave you that gift then it's you know it's almost a sin not to say okay i give you this gift open doors if you want me to use it mm-hmm. if that's your vocation from god and then your vocation can become your occupation the same thing the only talent that i have is to make people believe i'm other people so I just ask God to open what doors he wants open. It's 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 like the the parable of the talents which is something that I've always found fascinating mm-hmm. that the word talent has come to mean different things than Me it too. did back then. Me too because when I first read it as a kid I thought it was talents, you know, like yeah. singing or juggling yeah, yeah. or yeah. <laughs> and it seems somehow appropriate now yeah. that mm-hmm. that's what it means yeah. because yeah. You, I think you probably do find a number of Christians who are like, well, this is what my talent is, this is what I like to do. And this is how, you know, this is what people respond to. This is what I'm most effective at. But, I mean, I can't do that. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd much rather do this much safer thing over here. And maybe it's, you know, sometimes it's, you know, parents pushing you to do it. But, like, and it really is like burying your talents when God says, like, no, go out and do something with it. It might not be successful, but do something. Jesus didn't talk about being safe. He never talked about being safe. I'm, I'm really into emphasizing the Jesus of the Gospels as opposed to people's ideas about Jesus or the South Park Jesus or the Jesus, the political Jesus, Mm -hmm. the Jesus who walked and talked and what he said and what his life was. And that's the Jesus that I want to keep going back to and keep emphasizing Mm -hmm. because our ideas about him get really far away from him. Yeah, because he's so tough. <laughs> you know, Jesus is really, really hard to follow. It's much easier to follow a religion than to follow Jesus. Yeah. Rules, hymns, stand up, sit down. I can do that. Mm-hmm. But what Jesus says, whoa. Yeah, it's easier to fit him into some kind of box and then say, okay, well, this, like you said, the political Jesus or the, this, you know, this or that type of Jesus. If you put him in some kind of box and say, well, I can understand that one. Like I can, if I compartmentalize him this way, then I can, I can interact with that, but not. You know, the whole thing is, like you say, harder. Give no thought to what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Give no thought 
to it. For your Father knows that you need these things before you ask. But seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all the rest will be added to you, pressed down and shaken in abundant and good overflowing measure. That's from the Amplified. That in itself, just that one I can't do that yeah. Not without the spirit of grace every day. I'm like, what am I going to eat and what am I going to wear? Yeah, it's that that to me is the thing. Um, He's not a good teacher. That's the thing. <laughs> people say, oh, I, I respect Jesus. I meet a lot of people out here. It's like, uh, you know, I like Jesus as a teacher. He's a horrible teacher because. If you take Jesus just as a teacher, he's frustrating because he's telling you to do things that you cannot in your flesh do. You can't do them. Turn the other cheek. Can't do it. If a man force you to walk one mile, walk that. Can't do it. Love your enemy. No, can't do it. I think what Jesus is 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 saying in all of those, in the Beatitudes, in the whole Sermon on the Mount is this can only be done with the Spirit of God in you. And furthermore, with my spirit in you, it's an audacious thing to say. He's not a philosopher, and he's not a good teacher. And so I, I completely reject that idea of, oh, Jesus was a good teacher, and so was Buddha, and so was this, and so was that. No, he wasn't. C.S. Lewis put it right. I mean, you know what Lewis said, right? Yeah. Like that, uh, The choices. Uh, yeah, and then mm. uh, a guy who says these things about himself... Is either. Is, is either crazy, or like... Uh, I, I believe he the way he says it, or like a... A devil himself, or or a poached egg. Uh, no, a, a, guy, a guy who says the, that the he, crazy one is. On, yeah. He says on the level of someone yeah. who says that he is a poached egg, right? Yeah, or yeah. So it's like crazy, uh-huh. the worst, uh-huh. or in fact, who he says he was. Yeah. And that's why in this great short story, the misfit Flannery O'Connor has this this um, outlaw, the misfit, say to the old woman he's about to kill, who's just invoked God's name. He gets so mad, and he says, "Jesus throwed everything off. Jesus throwed." everything off because if he was who he said he was ain't nothing to do but to leave everything and follow him but if he lied and he wasn't what he said he was if he did that they ain't nothing to do but do what i'm about to do to you and that's the choice that jesus puts in front of us and in some ways you think wow i wish i'd never encountered him because now i do have to decide between those three alternatives mm-hmm. you just laid out i got to decide because now i know you know like he said if you if if if, if i had not spoken to them then they would not be responsible for their sin, but now they are because I have spoken to them. Yeah, it's, sorry, I don't mean to go on a soapbox. I never get to talk about this. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> well, great. You said that you said on, that in your email, and so I, I, I'm more than happy to give you a forum. And uh, and by the way, I can see I can see the preacher uh, a little bit that you said uh, you wanted to go into ministry early on. It's like <laughs> I, that avenue is not closed to you yeah. uh, at this point. I think you can. I, I think. Uh, I mean, there's a certain theatricality to preaching that I think you could probably oh man there is in the south I'll tell you that (laughs) no question yeah sometimes there's in my experience sometimes there's not much more than that in some (laughs) in some preaching but uh, but yeah and so yeah and that's that is the thing that that fascinates me and yes you do run across a lot out here is people you know they don't want to be negative they don't want to be negative about Jesus or really about anything Um, I came out here expecting a lot of resistance to my faith and I've, I've hit some don't get me wrong but uh, but actually, you, you find a lot of people wanting to be positive, but they're positive about literally everything, and it becomes kind of a relativistic uh, philosophy. Um, but in doing so, they basically just just dilute everything to the point where it's like, no, that's not and – and I'll speak about I – mean, they dilute all religions, not merely Christianity, but like I'll speak about Jesus specifically, which is like 
they dilute him and say like, oh, he's just this. It's like, well, if he's just that, then who cares? Thank you. Jesus is not a belief system. Oh, I respect all belief systems. Well, you know, so do I. But Jesus is not a belief system. Jesus is a relationship. Yeah. He's a relationship. And I just say to people, try him. You know, I ain't going to proselytize to you. Your religion's your religion. Your belief's your belief. But I just challenge you to try Jesus. Just try him. Just yeah. try him. You don't have to do anything more than say, Lord, are you there? You don't have to do anything else than that. You don't have to know a bunch of scripture. Mm-hmm. Just reach out and try him, and you see if something doesn't change in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, uh, the, I believe the last full episode we did was with uh, one of our writers and a frequent guest named uh, Robert Hornack, and it was a, and he was giving his 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 testimony and telling his story, and it's there are very sad elements to it, and and it ends on kind of a it ends on kind of a down note. Um, because being Christian doesn't mean being happy all the time. Certainly. No, it doesn't. Um, but it does. And back a couple years ago when I gave my testimony, that it, it, I was in the throes of depression, and, and that doesn't end on the happiest notes either. But like sometimes it's just like, well, you have a glimmer of hope, and that's sometimes that's enough. In fact, mm-hmm. it's usually enough. Um, and, uh, and sometimes you don't even see that, but it's just, I mean, it, like... You're preaching the, to me. The hope can be enough. You're preaching you know? to me this morning because that's exactly where I'm in my life right now. I was just thinking just this morning because I mean I'm a weak man and plagued by my own demons. And uh, I was thinking driving in this morning. You know, you hypocrite. You're going to sit, go up there and sit there and talk about Jesus. And to hear you say that really puts it real. Thank you, Tyler. Oh, you're welcome. And it's, I mean, yeah, I host a. I've been hosting this podcast, and I come, I, I, I come here and say like, oh, but Jesus said this, and just, it's just like you put almost none of this into play in your practical life like oh you too it just I mean, I did, like, <laughs> how about you josh <laughs> same thing yeah. i mean i you know obviously i try to and and you know i have i have days when i'm better and days when i'm not but at the same time but even then as we've talked uh, on the show before it's like the days when i'm be- the the thing that is to me quite liberating and that people never seem to emphasize um is that the days when i'm better and the days when i'm you know worse I'm equally loved on both days. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm equally uh, by by Christ. I'm equally accepted by Him, r- regardless of how how successful I am or, or how much of a failure. Provided I'm I'm sincerely trying to follow Him. And That's so hard to accept. Mistakes. That grace oh, yeah. that grace is so hard to accept. I have mm-hmm. the hardest time accepting that grace, yeah. that forgiveness that you He could love you when you're unlovable. It's yeah. hard, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. Because and especially from a from a you know an American standpoint where you know in theory there's like you know the American dream where if you work hard enough you can succeed in and we'll and we'll talk about work ethic in a moment. That's pretty interesting that you that may have something to do because we are raised to believe that right so that yeah. carries over mm-hmm. into our relationship with God. If I work hard enough, I I earn His love. I earn His self because that's what I want to do. I want to say, God, look what I did. Is it enough? Yeah. yeah. And then if we make mistakes, then we say, well, we're failing God. You know? and I, and, then I want to flagellate myself yeah. mm-hmm. and, and go so far in the other direction. Martin Luther King had this this problem in his life, and I've, uh, I've read Mother Teresa's struggles mm-hmm. in her life in the same. Yeah. Just to accept the grace is hard. Yeah, it's the idea that, like I said, we feel like we're failing God, but we can't really fail God, you know, like in the sense that he he accepts us regardless of what we do. So it's never like we're never going to do something that is bad enough that he says, all right, well, you cross the line, you're out. <laughs> you know, yeah. like nothing. We, yeah. And that's the thing. But we're also like, we're not going to do anything good enough. That he's like, well, all right. Right. Like we, in a sense, 
we're always failing God, mm-hmm. even on our most successful days. But I don't want to be overly negative and, and emphasize that. But but that's the thing is is we do try to you know we try to work our way into heaven, and then the day comes. It's like we have a bad day. We do it's just like oh man, this whole day was just a just awful. I did you know I was a jerk to my friends. Uh, you know I was you know there was lust involved. Any any number of things. Um, and so then it's just like, and then you just say like, the, there's the the self-flagellation because, and even in that, I think there's a trying to prove. It's like maybe if I hate myself enough, yes. maybe that will get me into heaven. Hallelujah! The, yes, yeah. you are preaching it. That is right. <laughs> yes, maybe if I hate myself enough, and then he knows what a worm I am. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean Paul laid it down. Right? He's Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know how many times I prayed. What, how many times did he pray for this thorn to be taken from his side? I don't remember how many times it was. All the time, three times, something. He prayed a lot, <laughs> and, he, and but but what did God say in return? My grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for in your weakness I am strong. But I don't want to be weak. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have the thorn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's and what's more is I feel like there's there's something of a culture. Uh, especially in, in maybe this was always the case, but I feel like in modern Christianity, there's definitely an instinct to look at other people's thorns and say, look, can you believe that guy's got that thorn? Oh, it's like, yeah. it's like, well, I'm trying to, I, I've been praying to get it out. And then God says his grace is sufficient. It's like, well, that's all well and good, but seriously, you cannot come in here with that thorn. <laughs> and there, but for the grace of God, go I, that's my favorite hypocritical Christian expression. Yeah. I tell you, I use, I grew up with, I tell you what, look at her there, but for the grace of God, go I, what? So you're saying God has no grace for her. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I just thank God I'm not like him. Well, there's, the, I mean, Jesus told the parable of the guy who comes into the temple and says, I thank God that I'm not like this person. I'm not like that tax collector. And that's the thing is, at any good, oh, I, I had this thought one day and it, uh, it, it, it depressed me a little bit where, um, cause that's the thing is like, I don't necessarily mind the phrase there, but for the grace of God, but if we are not like what it, what it, uh, what I usually apply it to is, um, like events, like if somebody loses their house in a tornado or something like that, and I just like there, but for the grace of it's just like that hasn't happened to me. It just as easily could have. Thank God that it didn't. But of course, but now I'm in a position where what can I do to help the person that it did okay, happen to? Yeah. But <laughs> but the idea of there, but for the grace of God, there, but for the grace of God, go I. In saying that to other people, it's like, how many people are saying that about you? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. we always, I feel like, and I've, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm fairly aware of my flaws, but mm-hmm. even then I've got blind spots mm-hmm. and some, and chances are that blind spot, somebody else could be looking at me and be like, Whoa, man, oh man, I am so happy. I'm not that. And we never think about that. And, uh, because if we did, it would, uh probably overwhelm us hmm. do either of you guys have a regular devotional that you read in the morning do either one of you follow that i i had one for a while what was it um i was for a bit i was doing the oswald chambers one the um my, my almost precise, precise that's what i do one. every day yeah hmm. 25 years right really i i did it for i think close to a year and then i'm you know i'm i'm bad at keeping on things yeah. like that so yeah. I, I never did the full one but i I know it's good. <laughs> you, you have one too. I, I tend to just uh, pick a book of the Bible and read a chapter a day. Do you read every day? No. 
But, uh, very much not. I do the devotional because it forces me to. Because yeah. there's a verse, and I get into the verse, and sometime I can make myself read the whole chapter, and then the day is much better. Mm. Oh, no question. Every time I do, it's just like, why, why, do I, why don't I do this all the time? It's <laughs> like, you've got 24 hours in a day. In a day. You work from home. How is the, How are you not doing this? Mm. For people who are... Um, trying to follow Jesus and be in the entertainment industry, I'd recommend Oswald Chambers, mm. my utmost first highest, because he's so stern, he doesn't he doesn't cut any slack. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, the titles of his devotionals are not a bit of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's very, very stern. And that's what you have to have, because so much of the entertainment industry is soft and mushy, and everything's wonderful and smile for the camera. That's and true. I love having this old English... Hard butt preacher, <laughs> yeah, thrown in my face every morning. I yeah, like that. I think we need that in in a culture where we're t- told to like never step on anybody's feelings and do whatever makes you happy and all these things that are very that are very self self soothing. It I think is important for us sometimes to have an outside source come in and say, no, that's not okay, or like you need to be more serious. He says the cross is the fulcrum on which turns all of time and history. Hmm. And if you're not in the cross, and if you're not thinking and speaking and preaching of Jesus and Him crucified. Then you're not, then you're not in him, and you're not of him, and that's that's hard because it's you know I mean the cross is not popular, mm. and it's that's the cross is an offense. Paul was right; it is an offense, and so it's easy to de-emphasize that mm-hmm. and just go with the you know the preaching, teaching Jesus without the cross because the cross is the thing that divides people. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, in the. Uh I'm part of a, a men's group uh, Bible study, and actually, just last night we were talking about the the topic of the of the evening was uh, evangelism, and specifically, what is it? Do we do it, and why don't we? If we don't, um, and so much of it is just you know you mentioned you know it being an offense, and just like and especially in certain areas, it's just like. Well, I don't want to offend somebody, and I don't want to be seen as as arrogant. Like I've got all the answers, just any number of things. But it, it, you know, we we tend to be very sheepish about things. But in the end, like I can't tell you how many people have said, "Tyler, you've got to see gravity, and you got to see it in IMAX 3D." And just like so many people have said that, is like, and that's just a movie. Interesting. And I love movies. Interesting. But that's just a movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jesus. Lover and saver of our soul, uh, I could go back and forth on sharing that. You know, I mean, I mean, thankfully, I thankfully this podcast has sort of forced me to do it every mm-hmm. every week, um, and so I there's an account there's an inherent accountability to uh, having to do this weekly thing and having not merely a co-host but also listeners that you're accountable to. Mm-hmm. Um, but like before this, I I felt like it's like. You know, I'll just, uh, I'm going to cling to that St. Francis of Assisi quote, which is incidentally not in the Bible. Um, and just, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to use words. I'm going to, I'm going to try and, you know, preach the gospel with, with my life. They will and just like, your Christians by love. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but sooner or later, you may actually need to say something. And, you know, down in Hollywood and Highland, they have the, the obnoxious people who shout about Jesus through megaphones. Mm-hmm. And it's one of them, they, they don't even, they don't even look at the people. It's a group of people I've seen. They don't look at anyone. They just have a megaphone and they say, Jesus only save you. Jesus only save you. Turn to Jesus. Jesus only save And so I'm really angry at them. But then I think, what are you doing? At least they're saying his name through a megaphone. Yeah. I don't think it's doing any good. But what are you doing? And it yeah. convicts me. Yeah. It's very easy. I mean, I, I go to Comic-Con pretty much every year as often as I can and uh, 
And there's uh, the people that I call the yellow signs. You'll see them at almost every uh, major event uh, in the Los Angeles area, in the in the Southern California area. And they uh, they hold up these signs that I don't necessarily disagree with. They're, it's not like they're saying, you know, God hates whatever. It's just, it's like repent, and then it's just, and it, you know, the Bible verses on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they just stand there, and it looks like they're protesting. I know what you mean. It does look like they're protesting. But they're not. not. I actually talked to somebody, Uh and I just said, I said, hey, uh, I'm actually a Christian myself, and I want to know, like, you know, what brings you guys here? And he goes, well, you know, it's interesting. We actually aren't opposed to comic books. We're not opposed to movies or TV or anything like that. And I said, like, you know what? I didn't say this, and maybe I should have, but I was so surprised by him saying that. So am I. Because... What I wanted to say is like, y- you need to do something different because every single person here thinks you don't like what they're doing. Yeah. You know, you're trying to convey Jesus' love and that's fine, but the way you're doing it is entirely wrong. You're, and by you're, extension, Jesus hates comic books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know for, I know that he loves them. I mean, he's Thank not, you. He's not thrilled with a Green Lantern, but like, <laughs> it's, uh, I know he likes the Riddler. But, um, <laughs> but it's just, uh, but that's the thing is like, so in that moment, I get very frustrated, but then I realize it's like, yeah, but these, it's like these guys, admittedly, they also do have stuff regularly shouted in their face by Mm. people at Comic-Con. They are often publicly ridiculed, and the person making fun of them is infinitely more popular than these people will ever be Mm -hmm. uh, in that area. And I think, like, I crumble to pieces if I get one negative comment. Uh, on the podcast or or if you know a non-christian listener challenges me on something um and i just and i feel like you know i'm like you said i may not be thrilled with their method i might i might think that they can do it better but they are they are out there and they are developing a thick skin which i feel like you kind of you kind of have to have if you're going to if you're going to to be a christian specifically a christian who's willing who's willing to say what he believes yeah so it's uh it does, it does, in almost any instance of anything, I think, anytime you look at somebody with like, well, they're doing things wrong, just take one moment and just say, okay, hang on, what about me though? Because almost invariably, you're probably not doing literally everything right. Mm-hmm. I, I can probably take probably off of that. Mm-hmm. You're not doing everything right. <laughs> I tend to equivocate. Mm-hmm. But... um so um, so we've been going for 50 minutes. Um, yeah, so, so we have 10 more. I'm not going to go over an hour because that's just too much. We can we can go over an hour if we need to. But I did want to but I, I wanted to talk about some of the uh, some of the stuff about uh, your career, because that's that's the thing is one of the reasons that I, I, I was excited to let this conversation go is in the same way. So we had uh, uh, Tom Wilson, who played Biff in Back to the Future. We had him on the show. And in the same way as yourself, he doesn't get to talk about this stuff very much. He and was so, very excited to get the chance to sort of talk yeah, about that. He was kind very of excited. And he is a he is a large, imposing man with a very powerful voice. And when he gets passionate about something, he's just like, "Okay, don't 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 interrupt," because he <laughs> he may not like that. And hey, I don't want to be called a butthead and uh, you know get a nuggie. I saw Back to the Future. I assume that's how he is. Um, that's how we got the part. I saw him <laughs> somebody a nuggie, and they were like, "That guy, he's the one." Well, no, he he went to the casting director and he gave them a nuggie until they cast him. But um, but yeah, and so that's the thing is like one of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation is that I wanted to uh, one of the not that I think anybody's worried about this, especially people who listen to this show, but. 
I would not be surprised if there are Christians out there that would look at your career and the movies that you've done and said, well, clearly that guy, if he calls himself a Christian, he's probably not that great of a Christian because how else could he do these things? Absolutely. But if that person listened to the last how, you know, last 20 minutes or so, not and again, you know, it's easy to sa- say the right things and not believe them, but clearly you have conviction, clearly you believe these things and you love them. You love talking about them. You love thinking about them. And so I would I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, how what it is to be a Christian in the not merely film industry. I'm going to say the horror industry. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh like have you ever We've talked a little bit about how, like, emotionally how it affects you. Do you ever feel spiritually conflicted about a part that you've played? I do. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes. All the time. All the time. And um, you can either try to say, well, this is just my job and it doesn't relate. But if Jesus relates to my life, he relates to all parts of it. Right. And you try mm-hmm. to work it out. So in each case, I try to work it out. I do it with every role. Every single role. I try to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. But I've asked God, close the doors you want closed. And some I've wanted open. He's closed. Big parts. Don't get them. Open the doors. If you open the door, I'm going to walk through it. Till I'm going to keep walking until you close it, Till I feel a check in my spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a face and a screen presence that's made to play antagonist. And even the stories of Jesus had antagonists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The stories yeah. of the Gerasene demoniac. Um, the stories of, uh, you know, the, the, the talents, the parable of the talents. There has to be the guy who says, you know, you wicked, wicked servant. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. I am the antagonist. And so I've decided that if I'm going to portray evil, or better put, humanity without God, mm-hmm. I want to portray it fully, not play around with it, and portray it for real, so real that people's skin will crawl. I know they have fun with these movies, but on some level, I want them to be repulsed by what they're seeing and something in their mind to think, why am I repulsed? Mm-hmm. Because humanity without God is the people that I play and much, much worse. So that's what I try to do. If I'm going to play the darkness and that's what God has given me, I'm going to play that darkness completely and thoroughly to to try to, by the depth of the darkness, reflect the light, if that makes any sense. It absolutely does. Uh, Listeners who might recall our episode about the Dark Knight, uh, one of the things that we emphasize is that if you are... You know, I spent a lot of episode apologizing about this, but if you are living without Christ, obviously you're not going. You aren't the Joker, but you you might as well be, uh, because really, what barometer do you have if it's just a world of man of man made laws? Because who are you to make a law over me? We're the same. You know, who cares? Mm-hmm. And yeah. there, and that's and that's the thing is like so the Joker in that film has a philosophy. And it's a very nihilistic one. And it's worth noting that compare that to the Joker of the Tim Burton Batman, who I love that character and I love the way Nicholson plays him. But just look at him. He looks cleaner. He looks like his hair is just it's not straggly. It's not greasy and gross. He has he has the grotesque smile, but it's a very clean smile. And his face is just turned into that. The Heath, Le- the 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 Christopher Nolan Joker has the stringy hair. He's got these ugly, garish scars on his face. His makeup is not done well. Uh, frankly, I get the impression that he probably smells bad. You know what I mean? He he is, as you say, grotesque. Um, and so I fe- that's that's the first thing I thought of as you were saying what you were saying is that like humanity without God is 
you know, can be grotesque. Well, on a human level or in your relationship with the deity, if you have no one to which you are responsible, then anarchy is the only choice and you become an anarchist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing. You're either responsible to someone or you're a personal anarchist. And anarchy really frightens me. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's... I'm I'm always fascinated. By, I'm always fascinated by people, uh, especially in college. I found this in college a lot um, with the the anarchy sticker on their mm-hmm. backpack or something. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, like, look, I'm not thrilled with everything the government does or whatever. But like, if we fell into anarchy, we we mere film students. We're the first ones to die. Like, there's no question we're not going to make it in an anarchic society. But And, um, and I play anarchists. My characters oh, yeah. are anarchists. They are misogynistic. They are misanthropic and frequently monosyllabic. Those are the people that I play. And they stare a lot. They stare. They whisper. <laughs> they whisper those And they do very, very bad things. This film I just did, Circus of the Dead, I was really conflicted because um, it's a great role. It's a lead. It's going to be a big movie because it has all the stuff horror movies like. But... These clowns do awful things to people, and there's they're, they are not respecters of persons. People don't mm-hmm. usually in a horror film. People die because you know they've had sex or they've done something to deserve mm-hmm. it in the world of horror films. These were random deaths. We killed a lot of people for absolutely no reason, and the only way I could justify it and get into the character was okay. I'm playing the devil. Mm-hmm. He's a liar because these characters would lie to people and say, "If you do what I say, you'll be all right," but then they'd be killed anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, the devil's a liar, and he's, he was a liar from the beginning, and he's the father of lies, and that's who I'm playing. So I always have to go back, for me, to to a spiritual base, and I usually end up playing the devil. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you find that some of the uh, um, some of the productions you're working on do uh, do they know it all? Do you ever? talk with your fellow actors or the directors or something about you having that spiritual spin on it and bringing that into it? Does that ever happen? Okay. Yes, frequently. um, Most horror film people are misfits. And Mm. so if you just scratch the surface a little bit, you'll find that they're seekers, Mm. all seekers. Mm -hmm. I've never mentioned Jesus to anyone on a horror film set and received anything but interest. Mm. Uh, Religion. You know, nobody wants to talk about religion. When you talk about Jesus, there's always a look of interest. Mm. I'm interested in that. Hmm. Yeah, people always have an opinion about Jesus. I mean, don't get me wrong, they have opinions about Christianity as well. Oh, yeah. But but even the people who are the harshest critics of Christianity, they'll always kind of, uh, they'll always kind of, hem and haw about Jesus and they they, they might say the, the teacher thing yeah. he's a well, good teacher there's something about the figure of Jesus that they can't dismiss you know like yeah. I feel like it's easy to dismiss religion because you think of it as this big or- man made organization and you can you can cite all the things that religion has done wrong or that people have done wrong in the name of religion mm-hmm. but you know Jesus is separate from that and that's why we follow Jesus and not just the church or not just religion you know Einstein yeah. said that yeah. And the, 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 they asked him, did you think that Jesus was a real person? He said, absolutely. The personality of Jesus is evident in the Gospels. You could not have made this person up. And if you were going to make up a Savior, you certainly wouldn't make up one like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No question if I be lifted up, I'll draw him into me. I guess that's it. Yeah. The, the figure of Jesus retains its fascination while the religion is much sullied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I, I've said it before. Like, if you, if you are going to make up a savior, you don't have one who specifically in the last, mo- in, in one of the last moments says, I'd really rather not do this. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like that's, like, if you're making something oddly enough. Okay. So I was at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival uh, this past uh, weekend and I went to a, uh, almost, they're almost all comedy. And so I went to one and the topic was, okay, we're going to create our own religion. It was very funny. It was a comedian named Jake Johansson. Um, 
And so they went through and talked about the different things that would, you know, because it's like, well, we got to make money. So what are we going to do to make money with this religion? And so they came up with it. It was a very funny conversation. But it's one of those things where it's just like, I bet no one would ever say that. Uh, I bet no one here, if they if they have the, like, if this is a real conversation and they were in this to make money or get power or whatever, no one would ever say, okay, we need to make sure that our, that our Messiah is... Uh, really humble and actually, you know, cries over death, uh, even though he has power over it. Uh, and that he, uh, in, in his, you know, in, in the essential moment of who he is would prefer that not happen. It's like, it's like, that's no way to make money, you know, (laughs) like, I mean, that's no way to sell tickets. Like imagine if, uh, imagine if like your summer blockbuster had a, had a hero like that. He was like, uh, I'd really prefer not to do this. Yeah, know? the music kind of goes. <laughs> the Greeks had the best religion for just believability and what people would expect. There are gods up on a mountain, and they get angry if we don't do stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me. Just as a human, mm-hmm. yeah. I would I would believe that, follow it, and find it pretty easy to follow. Yeah, they're like angry, all powerful parents. Kind sure, of. <laughs> and that's comforting in a way. Yeah, I kind of would rather God be an all powerful, comforting parent than the God of grace and love. It's easier to accept. Oh, yeah. He, God's going to slap me down if I don't do this. Mm. Um, as an offshoot of, of Josh's question, so so you do have these conversations with people, and they seem fairly open to it. Are any of them ever uh, surprised, given the nature of the film that, you're, that they're all involved in? Are any of them ever surprised that you believe these things? Nope. Only outside of the horror industry. Really? Within the horror industry... People are really cool, really open, and I meet a lot of Christians. I meet a lot of people who were Christians, have issues with the church. Mm. But in the horror industry, no, very, very accepting. But outside of the horror industry, harshly judgmental. Yeah. Mm. And have you? so you have run across people who, who say, how can you do this? Absolutely. There's a Facebook page for Christians in film, which I tried to interact with for a while, but the reception was not good. Mm. Just because of the nature of the films that you've worked on? Well, you know, I mean, I was in New Nuns with Big Guns. <laughs> You sure were. It's yes. just the starter. It's <laughs> just the starter. Yeah, I did think of uh, having your filmography in front of me and uh, throwing out some of the more inflammatory titles, but uh, yeah. but yeah, but that's you know what? That's probably the essence right there. Is yeah, nuns there with is. big guns. Yeah. A little something for everybody there. Um, <laughs> and hey, even the religious nuns. <laughs> but uh, you know, so uh, all things to all people. Exactly. So, but, but exactly. yeah, the answer is no, not within the horror community. And I would encourage uh, people who are believers who sort of judge the horror community as you know one big group of witches or pagans, or to really get to know people who like horror films and find out why. Usually, it's horror films are about mortality, mm-hmm. and these are people who are seeking to look death in the face and say, "Ha ha." Just kind of what we're all doing in life. Yeah, that's that's really what horror films are about. The more so, Christians interact with the horror community, then the the less horror films will be dismissive of Christianity. Yeah, totally. They're, and they all, well, not all, but I feel like a lot of them have a very deep morality to them too, which is something you might not find in your mainstream comedies and dramas. Maybe like which goes back to Bram Stoker. It's mm. quite a religious novel. It mm-hmm. really is. I mean, Van Helsing invokes the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is in Dracula. Several times <laughs> they talk about Christ and um, and the, that's where the cross came from as an anti-vampire tool. So, yeah, horror is steeped in morality. And there's and I, I'm fascinated by they've kind of lost it over the years. But uh, the the character of the vampire 
because oh i mean you and i years ago we did an episode about horror and the thing about vampires that fascinates me is there's almost always a tragic element because mm-hmm. i mean there's there's tragedy to werewolves as well um and i i think i actually find more resonance with werewolves but with vampires um they have often re- and especially with with dracula they have rejected god and like very overtly now That's of true. course there are vampires that have been you know bitten and that kind of thing and they they have no choice but like the the vampire who initially rejects god and they and it's like then they're just damned to this life of just feeding on other people becoming essentially parasites it's one of the things i like about nosferatu is it takes this uh, the idea of the vampire and makes it kind of pathetic you know yes. scary yes. but pathetic and just like and you look it's like there's nothing romantic about this life uh, this the va- the life of a vampire there's nothing cool about it it's sad and tragic and pathetic and it's because he it's because this character has rejected Christ that's uh, all over Stoker's novel everything you're oh, saying yeah. and it reminds me of the book of Job where there's, there's one point where uh, God speaks to Job and says you know essentially shut up and listen to me for a while <laughs> and he's talking about uh, you know were you there when I spread the canopy of the heavens and then he gets into the crocodile which they call the Leviathan and he goes over all the things that the crocodile can do and how even brave men and kings will not get near the jaws of the crocodile and I'm paraphrasing but he says um, and I created the crocodile so will you really look in my face Will you look in my face and defy me who created the crocodile who you fear? And it's just one of the most powerful passages in the Bible to me because I'm like, when you put it that way, no. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to look you in the face yeah. and openly deny you. See, and now suddenly Lake Placid takes on a lot of spiritual th- I'm joking, of course. But, uh, but yeah, and it's... Um, yeah, I feel like when I was younger... Uh, not 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 necessarily from a spiritual standpoint, but from a uh, from an artistic standpoint, I tended to dismiss horror, and a lot of it is is pretty bad, um, and and it can be kind of exploitative. But like the good ones are so fascinating because they are in the rare position to explore things that most other movies can't explore mm-hmm. in a way that could be entertaining. And, I mean, you know, you can have social commentary in them in, in a way, you know, I mean, you look at the Romero, you know, of the dead movies, um, and he's exploring his world in this extreme way, in a way that, like, if a straight-up drama were to do it, it'd be like, ham-fisted, heavy-handed, got it, but you put it in a horror movie, now we're talking. Frankenstein, we don't want to die. Yeah, oh, and so he yeah. begins nobly trying to find a way for us not to die, and ends up saying... In the name of God, now I know what it feels like to be alive, yeah. to be God, to be God, which, which was so strong that Universal covered it up with a thunderclap, yeah, so that you can't hardly hear him say it because it was yeah. considered too offensive. Then how we've changed, yeah, it's um, and that's and and we're we're coming towards the end when we get to the uh, the advice portion and uh, and I will say that and this this will is something that we'll be returning to throughout the month. Um, you know, if you are uh, a Christian, um, and you know what? Actually, this happened. This happened uh, last year. We talked about Cabin in the Woods, and we talked about uh, The Mist. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. We did a couple different uh, horror-related episodes, and uh, and I got some. I got a surprising amount of pushback. Uh, people saying like, "Well, you know, the film might be exploring these things, but really, like, what good can come from exploring it in this way?" And blah blah blah. And and, and you know, it's it's 
not the worst question to ask. You know, um, it's it's always good to be wary of things, but um, but I will say that, like, you know, certainly be discerning, but like, don't be afraid of of <laughs> sounds strange. Don't be afraid of horror because it's all about fear. <laughs> but that, but just like as we've been talking about here, I mean, really good horror movies, whether whether the filmmaker knows it or not they are exploring things that are integral to humanity and yeah. deals with our questions. And, uh, and I'll go back to, to something that, uh, that Doug Jones talked about when he was talking about the film Legion, which I don't know if you saw, yes. uh, not a great movie and he's not in it very much, but people said, how could you be in, you know, in that film? And he basically said that he'd had numerous conversations with the director and that he had said something like, uh, because I view this film as what happened, like what would it look like if we did not have a God of grace, but only of wrath? Yes. And just like, that's what it would look like. Thank God we don't have that. Quite literally, thank God we don't have that. Yes. And just, and like you can, it's horror films, and, and I'd say I, I tend to group them together with sci-fi, though they are different. Um, these kind of extreme genres are in a position to explore these things. So, like, we shouldn't be instinctively, immediately dismissive of them. I did a film, um, this is the only film that I'll plug, called Children of Sorrow, which is coming out in the spring from After Dark Films. And uh, I play a cult leader in the desert. And originally this was written with a lot of Christian jargon, and my cult leader was a Christian. And I went to the director and the writer and said, hey, do you mind if we strip this stuff out and let's just make it? He's made up his own religion. And they were totally fine. They, you know, <laughs> it didn't matter to them. So I just had him make up his own religion that other people were shadows. <laughs> and they don't matter, but all that matters is you and I, Tyler. We're <laughs> family now. Trust me. All I'm asking is that you put a little little faith in me yeah. like I put in you. And, um, and and he's very charismatic, and of course things don't go well for the followers. And a director who's a friend of mine who is a Christian, he came to see the movie, and it's very brutal and very violent. And afterwards he said, I think that every church in America should see this. Hmm. And I said, why? And he said, because it exposes um, the danger of relying on human charisma hmm. rather than relying on Jesus. And so... And that's a dark film, and I hope that it does have that effect when it comes out, although I'm sure that it will be roundly criticized just because he's, you know, vaguely religious in some way. <laughs> but occasionally within this filmography of 102, you get one like that that can yeah. maybe actually have a message. Yeah. Yeah, and what was, that, what was that one called? Children? It's called Children of Sorrow. Okay. All right. And that comes out next year, you said? Or this year? Yeah, in the spring. But it, it, it's okay. it's not an easy film to watch, and it's not an uplifting film. It's meant to disturb. Yeah. It's about whether you should trust people. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when. Now, see, I'm way ahead of you. I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I don't trust my friends. I don't trust my wife. I just, you know, I, we're on the same page here, Bill. <laughs> All right. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, now what advice would you give to Christians that either work in the film industry or want to? Run. <laughs> uh, to, the advice to anybody who wants to get into show business is run, for God's sake. Don't do this thing for a living. It's really very hard to do. Only do it if you feel that it's your vocation. And then if you have to do it or you're already in it. Um, well, I talked to my mom yesterday, and, you know, mom's really big on staying. She calls it steeping in the word. <laughs> when I tell you, you know, Mom, I'm feeling a little, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little doubt or this or that, and I don't think I'm going to make it. And she says, son, steep in the word. Get in the word. Anytime you feel discouraged, 
open the Bible and start reading it because that's how he speaks to us. Stay in the word. And I say, what if it doesn't seem to be speaking to me? She's like, steep in it. Just like you'd stay in a hot bath, steep in it. So that's the only advice I have, and it's not even mine. It's from my mother. <laughs> Just stay, stay in the word of God, and you know he'll do what he wants to do through that. All right. Um, well, I think, I think that's a good hour 15. And you know hey. what? Riveting. Wow. <laughs> um, but uh, I've, I've done an episode that was three hours and 50 minutes. So not on this show, but on the other one. So, and you know what? What the heck did you he, talk about? <laughs> we talked about the year 1999 and how wonderful a year that was in movies. So, and we had a lot of movies to get through. We didn't talk about every single one, although we probably could have. <laughs> it seems um, like it, yeah. yeah. But, uh, and you know what? People loved that episode. It's podcasts are strange. Uh, people will listen to as long as you talk if they like what you're saying. Well, you yeah. guys have really made my week with this. Oh, good. Uh, we're recording on a Tuesday for those who are listening. It's really a great start to the week, and it helps to ground me, and thank you. Well, thank you very much for, for being here. It was a very uh, fun and invigorating conversation. Yeah, definitely glad to have you. Um, okay, so... Um, and actually, uh, so you are... One thing that I that I know about you is you are an online presence. You are yeah, that's a, the business. Yeah, you are a part of how many social media sites? I don't know. I try to do all of them on the computer all the time. Yeah. There's about 17, all told. But, you know, I mean, like the guys say, that's the business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what you got to do. So where... So I guess if you're a part of any social media, type in Bill Oberstuner, and apparently you'll find him. Yeah, yeah. Hit me on Twitter. I follow everybody back on Twitter. I'm okay. really harsh about this because i think if somebody follows you you should follow them back i don't like celebrities with air quotes who have fifty thousand followers but they only follow 14 people Hmm. Uh, if somebody follows you you should follow them back it's not that hard to click follow it's the nice polite thing to do so if you follow me i'll follow you back oh man i don't follow i follow a a small fraction of my followers (laughs) you know why because they're not important. <laughs> That's <I'm> just, the <laughs> implication. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and so um, okay, so Twitter, and then do you, and you have do you have a website? Yeah, I got a website and okay. uh, Facebook, and IMBD is the main thing. If people want to know who I am and what I do, just go to IMBD. Because for an actor today, you know, IMBD is your web page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'll see all the stuff that I'm involved in, and don't be scared by the pictures. <laughs> yeah, particularly the one of me. Uh, uh, covered in red paint with demon horns. <laughs> <laughs> Driving to a photography studio at six in the morning, hoping that the paint doesn't flake off down the 101. <laughs> that's, that's an actor's life. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, um, all right. And then you can uh, go to morethanonelesson.com. I'm trying to think if there's anything uh, of note that is that is new. Um, there's... Uh, uh, Reed and Travis were uh, going to write more about uh, uh, Breaking Bad, and there's still something coming about the the finale. But as it happens, Reed had a death in the family, and uh, Travis had uh, a birth in the family. So between those two, uh, they've both been very busy. So, uh, but there there is more coming there. But you can go to morethanonelesson.com, and uh, you can listen to past uh, episodes and uh, and read uh, whatever articles are there. So. Uh, if you have anything to say to me, you can email me, Tyler at morethanonelesson.com. You can email Josh, Josh at morethanonelesson.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at morelessons. You can follow Josh 
At the Josh Long. At the Josh Long. You can also uh, join our Facebook group. Um, and I think that is about it. I would I would uh, remind you, please uh, please uh, look into the, sh- the the film. This is stuttering on Kickstarter. I would really like uh, it to be uh, funded because it's a, it's a good film. And uh, Morgan, the director and subject of the film, is a genuinely good guy. So, anyway, um, once again, Bill, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And Josh, as always, thank you for being here. Yep. And uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. <laughs>